Good day and welcome to this How Investors Can Manage Their Risks This Year podcast sponsored by PSG Wealth with central banks increasingly hawkish this year. It's important for investors to actually understand how asset valuations can change in an increased interest rate environment. In this discussion powered by PSG Wealth, we also reflect on why it's important for central banks to normalize interest rates. I'm Udiwa Gabaza, writer for the Business Day and Financial Mail, and I'll be your host for this very important discussion. Now, joining me for today is Adrian Pask, who is the Chief Investment Officer over at PSG Wealth, and is going to be highlighting his view on how asset values could change when interest rates go up, what PSG Wealth's proprietary bear market indicator says about a possible correction in markets and how investors can prepare for these events. In our previous discussion, we spent some time looking at the trends from last year and expected movements in the investment space for 2022. So for today, we drilled down on managing that risk. So let's get into it. Adrian, greetings to you today. Hi, Madiwa. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have a discussion with you on this. Now, just following on from uh, that discussion today, like we said, we will be, you know, just drilling down on that managing risk. And a good place perhaps to begin is is uh, looking at central banks who have recently been forced to actually respond to excess demand, exchange rate weakness, and soaring inflation. You know, just some of the issues that Adrian highlighted in our previous discussion. At the end of January, the South African Reserve Bank raised its repo rate to 4%, while the U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to increase the Fed's funds rate in uh, March 2022. This follows a list of other key central banks that have started their normalization cycles, albeit from different starting points of view. So Adrian, how do interest rates impact bonds and equities in their respective manners? Thanks, Madiwa. I think what we are trying to do, obviously, when investing offshore is to find that the correct balance between those two asset classes. And unfortunately, where we find ourselves at the moment is that because of all the stimulus that was provided over the last couple of years with COVID, there's this helicopter money, anecdotally reference to, to, to that as helicopter money that's been pumped into the economy, combination of um, federal stimulus and uh, also lower interest rates and obviously uh, bond repurchase programs. That's all now coming to an end. So it's very much an inflection point and you can expect things to take strain in exactly the environments where they benefited over the last two years. And things that come to mind are obviously bonds. Uh, yields are incredibly low. And then the other is equities. If we look at bonds in particular, what we do in our team is to put the bonds through a stress test of sorts so that we can determine what the impact is going to be if we have a 1% increase in interest rates. If you look at the 30-year U.S. Treasury, the impact is going to be, according to the model, in excess of 20% decline on the price, which is material considering that this is typically considered one of the safest asset classes around the world. If we look at the equity environment, obviously the things that are impacted most would be the high valuation things that price off very low interest rates where the assumption is that interest rates will be lower for longer, uh, therefore growth will be higher, therefore financing costs for firms will be lower. And if that financing cost goes up, expenses go up, operating margins go down, and if there's a longer period of growth priced into the existing share price, then it's a bigger sensitivity on that particular stock. 
So in both cases, unfortunately, we think U.S. markets are going to behave significantly differently to what they have over the last two years, but even over the last 10 years, as we see a reversal of many of the things that we did see over the preceding period. Now, thanks so much for that, Adrian. And I think it sort of gives us that understanding because it's commonly thought that high interest rates generally result in low stock valuations and low interest rates generally result in high stock valuations, at least on the equity side, but also just seeing how much of the bond market will be affected by some of these movements is definitely something to keep an eye on. So with all of that said, then there was a word that that we used earlier on, and that was normalization. We spoke about uh, normalization cycles. Just continuing from what you were saying, why do you think it is important for central banks to normalize interest rates? That's an excellent question, and I think that's the bigger picture that is often overlooked. So I think if you were to think of it as a layman, you would say, why increase interest rates at all? It's obviously great to have lower interest rates. The economy is growing. There's capital around. Investors are happy. Corporate earnings are growing. There's a lot of growth going around. What's really the problem? Why increase interest rates? And it's really important to understand how interest rates function as a policy tool. So essentially what interest rates are used for is to throttle growth. There is actually something as too robust growth. When you've run yourself into that position where you have too much growth, inflation picks up and Inflation can be very detrimental to an economy, and that's exactly what we've seen now. And the other thing is is obviously what happens in the environment where the economy cools down because of a structural shock. So a good example would be the global financial crisis from 2008. We then don't have any monetary policy stimulus available because we're already at low rates. So it always helps to have that tool at your disposal the idea is really to keep the economy humming at a decent pace, not to overheat, not to cool down, and gradually grow the economy without too many shocks. A lot of what we see at the moment in terms of supply side shocks is because the monetary policy has been overly volatile, and it had to be because we were in a big predicament. So that's why it's only a question of time before the next crisis hits, and we're going to need a tool to get us out of that hole. And currently, we don't have a tool because we've already used it to its full extent. It's certainly one of those things that uh, makes one become quite sober when, you know, just realizing the fact that some of these things are cyclical, that there is some type of trouble that is likely on the horizon, and that is the nature of the markets. And just looking at certain recent market activities, you know, particularly in the US, a market that we're spending a lot of time discussing, such as the crash of Facebook recently, some analysts saying that that is indicative of the the fact that some of the high valuations are in the tech sector, for example, are due for a correction. But speaking more broadly, Adrian, then off the back of what you've just said, markets plunged uh, by the end of January to some of their lowest levels last seen in uh, 2020. So with that said, then how close do you think we generally are to a market correction? Yeah, I think it- you know, something like this is a very emotive component because we're talking about drastic shocks that has significant impact on, on, on everybody's sentiment, right? So inherently, you always have the bears and you always have the bulls. But what we try to do in the team is to really put something rather objective down. So what we've built on our end is, is what we call internally our bear market risk indicator. 
And it's essentially a collection of data that looks at things quite objectively. Typically, what we would consider in that model is obviously valuations as a key driver for future returns, but also the corporate earnings, quite important. We look at the level of growth in the economy, so GDP, and we put that against what the capacity in the economy is actually at. So if you think of the economy where there's a lot of factories around, but they didn't really pump any product out because of COVID, that means that there's a large gap between what you have available in the economy and what you're actually doing. If that gap closes, the, the risk increases because for you to continue your growth, you will have to get new capex going to get additional infrastructure to facilitate that growth. And obviously that process is a bit longer. Other things we look at is unemployment rates and inflation rates and the yield curve as well as a component of interest rates. So uh, those are the key things that, that we do consider. And Looking at that objectively, we test that against historic levels and how likely recessions and corrections were at various levels for those various variables. And long story short, if you look at the U.S. case, the model signals an 84% chance of a correction in that environment. And I think what, what we largely pick up there is incredibly low levels of unemployment. A consequence of that is wages that are moving a lot higher very quickly, and it's having an impact on inflation. It will have an impact on interest rates and valuations are quite high. So that's, that's anecdotally what we take from that model. So it's a good time to, to be fairly skeptical of whether you will be able to generate the same returns out of your offshore investments as what you have over the preceding 10 years. Mm. Certainly a good time to be skeptical about what's going on, you know, over in the markets and especially just given the range of factors that you guys are sort of pumping into this model to sort of get an overview of what's going on with that uh, bear market indicator. And with all of that said then, Adrian, and especially given the different factors that you've just highlighted, what is the advice then for investors to actually manage these different investment risks because as we spoke in our last discussion, it's a myriad of issues that people just have to be sitting there and managing and thinking about all at the same time. Yeah, and, and, and that's where it gets complicated because that's where the rubber hits the road because I, I'm sure quite a few listeners must be thinking, wow, you know, this sounds very negative indeed. Maybe I should be looking at converting my equities into cash. And that's not really at all what I'm saying because cash rates are – a very deep negative, if you look at it in real terms, inflation numbers are running at 7% and you, you're getting a fraction, a very low fraction of a percent on your, on your cash component. So that's not the solution. I think the solution is to look beyond the U.S. These investors have very much focused on U.S. borders over the preceding cycle. And, and we see this with fund managers across the industry and even internationally. There's a huge bias for U.S.-centric investment at the moment. And there's also huge investment in U.S. bonds as well, because that's very liquid, genuinely regarded as the safest areas of the market, etc. So I think what we'll see is investors will start to broaden their horizons a little bit, start to look for opportunities in other environments. And I think the other very important thing that we'll pick up is that it's going to be far more difficult. It, you're going to have to invest in things that maybe make you a little less comfortable, a little less certainty. Previously, it was as easy as looking at where the growth is and backing the financial stimulus and riding the wave out. Where now there's a massive headwind coming our way. We need to be extremely mindful of where the sensitivity sit. We need to be 
extremely sensitive as to how much we pay for earnings going forward. And we also need to venture new markets to ensure that we still can populate our portfolios with a good range of opportunities. And at the same time, you can't introduce new risks to the portfolio either. But a lot of what we talk about in the U.S. environment is exactly avoiding risk. So I think a very big turnaround in terms of where investors have historically found value in alpha to where they will find value in alpha going forward. So that's the key things. I think just keep an open mind going forward. If you, you can't continue investing the way that you have over the preceding 10 years. So just keep an open mind. Those are the words of Adrian Pascu, is the chief investment officer over at PSG Worth, giving us some insight on how investors can manage their risks this year in terms of investments, highlighting at the beginning of the conversation just what's going on in terms of interest rates, and especially given their various impacts over on the bond and equity markets, two of the biggest places and asset classes that people are investing in and also the importance of normalizing interest rates, especially in this environment. And also, you know, are we due for a correction? Because he is just highlighting the fact that there's a lot of unusual market activity that has understandably gone on over the last two years. And as things recover, all of those things will be set for a correction. And one of the things he ends off by talking about is the fact that we're likely to see investors looking beyond the U.S. for some of the places to be putting in their money. And also at the same time, just sounding out the alarm that investors will likely need to be comfortable with taking on a little bit more risk because it is unusual times and that some of the traditional asset classes might not yield the traditional sets of returns that investors have been used to over this time. So that's been it. Quite an interesting and fascinating discussion. Thank you so much to Adrian for just taking his time to share his thoughts with us. And that's been our discussion on how investors can manage their risks this year, sponsored by PSG Wealth. I've been Muriwa Gavaza, your host from the Business Day and Financial Mail. Remember that you can subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Mm-hmm.